Sports Meets Beer podcast. Brad Barmore on this end of the table, Ben Perry on that end of the table. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. Make Thanks sure- for listening to our ends. Our end? Yeah, the each end of the table. <laughs> uh, make sure you check us out on all the social medias. Uh, gang, that would be the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, the untapped. Uh, you can email the show. You got beers you want us to try. You got sports topics you want us to discuss. You got suggestions. You got or beers you want to trade. That's yeah, yeah more that important than that too. That beers too. you want us to go out and spend money on. Right. <laughs> anyway, you can check all that stuff out. Email the show at sportsmeetsbeer at gmail That's meets like the protein. As always, uh, we love to hear from you. We are currently recording this. It is Thursday the fourteenth. Happy Valentine's Day, buddy. <laughs> right back at you, bud. Um, <laughs> Thursday the 14th. And as we sit here, there are uh, there's very little breaking news to the point where at the top of my Twitter feed, the first thing that I see is a tweet by Diamond Leung, who wrote, the Knicks are no longer celebrating Latvian Heritage Night on February 24th at Madison Square Garden. Well, son of a bitch. Well, they traded Chris Depp's Porzingis, so that's a big part of that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the reality is... At this time that of the year, there's nothing going on. There really is nothing going on. We're going to the All Star break, you know, in the NBA, which the dunk contest, the three point contest, always a great thing to watch. Always a great thing to watch. I actually, I it is, it is equivalent to me. It's better than the skills competition for football, which I think is probably the best part of the football uh, Pro Bowl. Yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, that is what no one remembers the game. That defenseless, weird game that they play. Everyone, right. Everyone remembers the slam, slam dunk contest. Yeah, everyone remembers the dunk contest. You know, three-point contest is always legendary. La- I would say that um, usually I don't I don't make it a habit of watching the All-Star game. Um, I watched it sort of in fast-forward last year, but the game was more entertaining and more uh, competitive than they have been in years past because they drafted the teams now. It's not right. just East versus West. They changed the format up. I like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, but you know, here we are at the break. Warriors have the what second best record in all of the NBA, and they shit the bed last night. Well, they were just—you could tell—they were exhausted, exhausted, exhausted. Depleted bench. Yeah, no, no Livingston, no Boogie, no uh, Igadala, and you're going up against, you know, uh, Nurkic, Yusuf Nurkic, the center for Portland, who is a just an absolute monster load to deal with, and you're trying to put. You know, uh, Kevon Looney on him, and it just, it's a size, it just overmatched. And the Warriors never defensively got enough going where they could get out and run right. and get Nurkic off the floor. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they did not have great rebounding on the floor to be able to throw great outlet passes, which is something that Boogie does. And also, you know, the lockdown clamp defensive players on that team are Draymond, Igadala, and Durant on the wings, and there was no Igadala in that game. And so, you know, come right down to it. The game was really close. I was actually really impressed with how much energy the Warriors came out with, you know, against a Portland team who's at home and is looking to move up the standings. They're coming off a couple of big wins and not on a back-to-back where they played just an absolute, just physical monster in Utah the night before, which right. is what the Warriors did. And so that game was close near the end. And then, you know, they came unraveled a little bit. I'm forgetting the kid's name that told Clay Thompson to fuck you. Oh, that 21-year-old kid. Yeah, I'm forgetting that kid. I don't know, know what his deal was. He should have gotten a technical there. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. But the fact that they, you know, a lot of Warrior fans this morning have been talking about that game like the officials really lost control of it. I disagree. I think they generally did a good job. Kenny Maurer is a great official. That whole crew has a lot of experience. Uh, I thought they did a fine job in that game. But it was weird. There were a couple instances that uh, were kind of head-scratching to use. The, well, the technical to Draymond was weird. 
The flagrant? Yeah. The flagrant. I'm sorry. Flagrant. And the technical. Right. And then, you know, Kerr just loses it. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, well, that game's over. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's it, a wrap. It felt planned, right? And I think that he was trying to get these guys fired up to, like, end the end the half of the season on, you know, a good note going into the break. And, you know, the Warriors came out and they had good looks at the basket and good offensive possessions, but they missed two shots and then Portland didn't. And then then it really came apart after that. Um, you know, I, I, if you're really looking at it from a big picture standpoint, the Warriors are 16-2 and two in their last 18 games. They've shown you over the, you know, in three of the last four games, they've shown you what they're capable of doing. They played, you know, against a surprisingly feisty Phoenix team. And, you know, it came down the stretch where Phoenix was switching everything and the Warriors weren't getting great shots from the perimeter and Boogie Cousins just owned that game. And then they played against a very physical, very defensively sound monster in Utah and went out and, you know, just played at that pace. I mean, they ended up scoring 115 points, but I watched that game and it was a slog for the first 36 minutes. Yeah. You know, and then the fourth quarter, they really shut them down. And they, you know, they had the ability to just put the clamps down on defense and get it done against a team that's really well coached and doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And then in that Portland game, you know, they were able to dig deep and find some energy. And, and you know, Portland's got good depth and the Warriors were resting all of theirs. And so even still, they put together a good 36 minute performance. I'd say, shit, you argue that the Warriors put together, you know, a good 45 minute performance. Right. You know, it was really the last three minutes where it came undone. You know, you they lost to Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, but they've put together some really nice wins. They're 16-2. and two. They haven't even played their best basketball. Kevin Durant kind of said that. Uh, and I think that they can go into the break knowing that when they play their best, it's still better than anybody else's best. Right. And that's a pretty comforting thing if you're a Warrior fan. So again, it's more of the same of the last few years. I'm not complaining about that, but it doesn't make for, <laughs> it doesn't make for very newsworthy, no. you know, newsworthy times. But you made an interesting point before we came on the mics. Yes, I did. It feels like with the addition of Boogie Cousins, who's an incredible player, you know, I didn't really, I followed him a little bit in Sacramento, uh, but not to the extent that I'm paying attention to him now. But he, uh, his addition to the team feels like the team has changed dramatically. And we obviously know the uh, Kevin Durant saga where he snapped at the the uh, the news outlets because either no matter what he says they're kind of messing with him and he we know he's a sensitive guy and he he gets rattled by the media pretty pretty easily but it just feels like with the addition of Boogie Cousins it doesn't feel like the same Warrior team that we had last year at the end of last year and the year before it just feels like the the camaraderie is not quite there as it was and obviously you had KD and you had um. Dre, Draymond Green, or as my youngest calls him, Dre Lamond Green. Um, <laughs> they had their little dust up, and they squashed it, obviously, and, and everyone was looking for the empire to burn at that stage. But it just feels like a different team. I don't know. I'm not saying they're, they're, not, they're not playing badly, but from a fan's perspective, it just feels like this is their like farewell tour. Yeah, there is some of that. I think, generally speaking, I don't. I don't see the point you're making about Demarcus Cousins specifically. I think his arrival has been exceptionally positive. I think it's done a lot for the interest level of guys like Iguodala and even you know even Durant to some degree. You know, Draymond. It's hilarious to watch him have to be the good guy at times. Um, <laughs> uh, I think from the camaraderie standpoint, I think that these guys openly and actively root for a new guy or somebody coming off an injury or whatever. It's what makes them such a desirable place to play. You know, you look at like how happy a guy like Jarebko is to be there. It's not oh, just yeah. about the winning. It's a great environment there. 
But what does really kind of make it feel like the end of the Beatles, so to speak, is that, you know, the, all the tra- like all the talk is that Durant's out, Durant's out, Durant's out. He has a little media dust up. And this is my only issue with Kevin Durant. And I try not to buy, I mean, you know this, I try not to buy into any of the extracurricular stuff, the media scrums, mm-hmm. the, the quotes, the whatever. I try not to buy too much into that stuff unless it's specifically about basketball, right? Well, the, 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 the sound bites and everything associated with that, you want to take out anyway because it's, they're, they're contextually not there. You can, make, you can spin anything, any statement and make it sound right. worse than it really is. But Durant had his little dust up with the media the other day and it felt very weird because you know, the media is just trying to speculate. It's what people want to read. You know, well, they, they, need, they need clicks, brother. That's it. That's yeah, the exactly. End of the day. That's all it is. Exactly. And Draymond or Draymond Durant kind of called them out for that. Uh, Dre Lamond. Yeah, Dre Lamond. Sorry, Durant called them out for that and said that you know he just wanted to talk about basketball and that these guys were making things up and all this stuff. And I, Kevin Durant is an interesting guy. And if I had to bet money that he was going to be back with the Warriors next year, I'd say no. I'm hopeful that he will be, but I would have to wager that the answer is no. Um, just because all of the signs point to him signing with somebody like the Knicks. Right. You know, there are teams or the Clippers. There are teams that are like actively seeking opportunities to sign Durant. And, you know, so I think that's really the cloud that you're perceiving or that I feel is over. It's like, I don't think it's going to get in them, get in the way of them winning a title. They had their adversity over this subject back in October or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. November. And so they're they've already kind of gotten through that. And there might be an understanding in the locker room that this is their last time together. And so maybe there is an element of that, that I think is, if that's true, it's manifesting itself on the sideline as a team that is truly having fun. Like if you watch Draymond Green open that game four for four last night on his second and third jump shots, they came when Steph was off the floor and Steph jumped up off the, off the bench and was clowning his jump shot form. It was hilarious and everyone was dying. And so, you know, I think that it's there. I just think that what you're perceiving, at least in my mind, is this feeling that it's over because we kind of know that Durant is over. It's not the addition of DeMarcus Cousins. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that we might have DeMarcus Cousins next year and not Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant in a Warrior right. uniform, you know, and that's something to kind of consider. But I will say this, just watching what he's done for that team since he started and then watching what happened in that Portland game last night, Portland switched everything on the Warriors defensively. And, you know, they sagged way off Draymond Green and he made them pay early. And then they sagged off Kevon Looney and he couldn't make them pay. And then Clay Thompson turned in his worst shooting performance. Ice cold. I think it was his hand. I think his hand still messed up from the other other night. So anyway, he turned in a terrible performance, but Portland was able to switch a lot of things and that caused some trouble for the Warriors. Again, we're just talking about X's and O's. The context of it is obviously, you know, they're missing a lot of guys here. So it probably doesn't play out in April or May, but in the terms of last night, they switched everything. They caused some problems for the Warriors defensively and the Warriors didn't do a great job offensively staying home against a team that runs primarily isolation offense. So you can see where teams can take advantage of the Warriors if they're, if they're capable of switching. I mean, we saw that in the Western conference finals against Houston last year. However, if they have dream or DeMarcus cousins in that game or somebody who has like a very real back to the basket post presence, you can't switch on a guy like that. You just can't because you're going to end up with Damian Lillard having to guard DeMarcus Cousins on the block and the old Shaquille O'Neal, there's a mouse in the house, you know, and so you just seek out that matchup. And so with Kavon Looney on the floor last night, they just couldn't do that. And Draymond Green is best, you know, his best game is when he catches the ball at or around the free throw line at the elbow or so and then is able to make a read and throw a lob or take two dribbles and hit a floater or like he was doing last night, just knock down the 16 footer 
that's where he's best suited. If he has to turn his back to the basket and you take half the floor away from him and his great vision, it's not really his game. And so the Warriors aren't going to start doing that just because Damian Lillard is guarding Draymond Green in that situation. They're just not going to do it. Right. So I don't know. I, I think, you know, no news is good news as far as the Warriors are concerned. I I think you have something in terms of the Warriors. It feels like we're watching the last of the great the great Warrior run here. But I thought that about the Spurs, and they've gone and won. They went and won two <laughs> titles after I thought that. So who knows? Who knows well, if that's going to be the I was explaining it to you because my wife was actually bringing that subject up. She's like, you know, this just sucks because it's going to be their last year. And I said, you know, but they're pretty good. I said, you know, Durant's going to leave. And I said, they're going to keep Clay. I said, if anything... Draymond Green might be the one that they use and get rid of. We talked about that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I said, that, you know, they're going to get another free agent guy to come in to compliment Steph and to compliment Clay. And, uh, and, and quite honestly, I said they're, they're doing a really good job with their G team, bringing them up and yep. bringing some, I mean, Quinn Cook's pretty good. You got these guys who are getting time, you know, they're getting decent floor time. And I said, it doesn't take a lot of guys, it takes a few. And I see, you know, you get one more free agent guy and you're still back in the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, your your core is, you know, Steph Clay and Draymond Green. That's better than most teams' core. Right. Right. It's, you know, it's their ability to, you know, if you let DeMarcus go and you let Kevin Durant go, now all of a sudden your salary cap situation, even with the max contracts that you give Clay and Draymond, although I don't think they're going to give him a max contract, that that's going to end messily, I think. He may still sign with the Warriors, but it's... They'll be disgruntled. It'll yeah, it'll be it'll be weird. So hopefully they get something done before it gets to that point. Anyway, it'll they'll have the ability to fill up the roster with multifaceted guys, kind of like the way the Rockets do it. And so then you know now all of a sudden, as good of a job as Bob Myers and Joe Legup have done in terms of drafting, you know Clay and Draymond and you know and and you know they drafted Azili, who was a, a big time part of their success at one point, you know and. You know, Pat McCaw was a big part of their finals runs. I mean, they've done a good job in the draft. Jordan Bell, for whatever reason, can't crack the rotation. But uh, I think there's more to that story than just what we're watching in games. You know, their jo- they've done a decent job drafting that low in the draft. And also, I think that their ability to sign guys and, and work the salary cap has been remarkable and, and exemplary in the league. And so I think if you're going to give them more money, you know, yes, they're not going to bring if, you know, if Durant really does decide that he's going to leave. Uh, you know, if you give them more money to play with, I'm I'm very intri- intrigued to see what they're capable of doing. Um, and so, you know, it's I don't really want to talk about that at the moment because it's you know February 14th. <laughs> and who knows what's going to happen? And we're doing exactly what we just criticized the media for. We're speculating at best. Well, yeah, and I we're speculating in like just you know casual conversation here. This is not casual conversation. This is a podcast. We're very serious. <laughs> You know, we we're, t- we're speculating integrity. as fans do. Right. But like the way that, you know, we're not spinning anything that we've heard or, you know, making somebody's words sound worse. I think that's kind of the comparison. Right. I would go for because some of that stuff just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but since we're sort of discussing uh, free agents here, let's talk about some other free agents as in Major League Baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball not signing any fucking free agents. <laughs> Um, I Major League Baseball might have a real problem on its hands. Uh, the players are already talking about a strike. How? And this is obviously as a Giants fan, and all the rumors about Bryce Harper going to the Giants is kind of what fueled this. But as a baseball fan in general, uh, how in the world do you have a dude that's 26, has six All Star appearances, one MVP, and one Rookie of the Year? How do you have a guy like that that hasn't signed yet? 
a Cy Young Award winner in Dallas Keuchel that hasn't signed yet, uh, an MVP caliber hitter in Manny Machado that hasn't signed yet. I mean, it's crazy. Craig Kimbrell has the lowest ERA in the history of baseball for relievers, the least home runs against, and the highest strikeouts per nine in the history of baseball for a closer, and he still doesn't have a team either. Do you feel like this is reminiscent of the NFL uh, free agent signings from last year and everyone was waiting to see the deal that Khalil Mack got and then they're back and forth and everyone's kind of waiting to see what the market will will allow. But although baseball and football is obviously drastically different with how they how they space out their monies, how the team spends go, their budgets, all of, all of that stuff is, is so different. Yeah. But do you think that's part of it is where they're they're simply waiting to see who's okay, let's just see, let's let's get Bryce Harper signed and then these other guys are gonna fall into place and their agents are gonna actually start pushing it around. Because these guys are no, they don't have to it's always good to get a spring training. We know that it knocks the rust off and it helps your body get into game game time play. There's um, no substitute for major league pitch standing in there against major league pitching. Right. There's isn't. Although with the number of guys that aren't signed, maybe you could get a little thing you together. Get a team together. <laughs> so it's not like football because these guys are seeking out like 10 year deals and right. there's no salary cap in baseball. Although there is a luxury tra- tax and a lot of teams don't want to cross it because every you get to a certain point and every dollar is suddenly a dollar 50 really. Right. And then you get into the repeater tax, which is you know, every dollar is now $2 and 25 cents or whatever the number is. So I understand teams trying to operate from a business perspective uh, and trying not, not to get into that tax situation. But if you, I've heard a few Giants fans say this. So, so we're just going to talk about this through the lens of, of San Francisco Giants, San Francisco Giants, because Perfect. that's the, you know, that's the one that's relevant, obviously here in the area, and then also that's the big one, you know, for for Bryce Harper. It's a, gr- a good opportunity here. The Giants own property in San Francisco, including some of the property that the Warriors are going to lease their stadium on. And so they or they okay. bought the, per, the the land. They have a revenue stream that comes in outside of outside of uh, the baseball revenues that they generate. Okay. The Yankees have the Yes Network, and the Knicks have the MSG Network. You know, uh, Red Sox own Northeastern Sports. Like, there's a lot of these, you know, like, networks that are owned by teams, media empires that were built by professional ball clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the Giants don't do, didn't do that. They bought it in property. And so they, they have a lot of income that comes through. They own that ballpark outright now. They don't have... Which is crazy. I know. They, you know... 18 years. It took 18 years for him to pay that thing off. You know, they don't have, you know, rent to pay. They are one of the richest organizations in all of Major League Baseball, right? And, you know, they're under the luxury tax right now. So, as a business owner, I can understand and appreciate the fact that they want to, if they're going to spend a dollar, they want it to be worth a dollar. Like, they don't want to spend a dollar, but have it really be a dollar fifty out of their pockets. Right. Or whatever that. So, I can understand. I can understand and appreciate that. But you have had the opportunity, or you've had the you've had three World Series since 2010, right? So three World Series in the last eight seasons, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the fans packed those places because you were winning World Series. Now you still have a lot of season ticket sales, and if they don't show up, who cares? I guess because you sold the tickets. But you're supposed to make money on all the concessions. You make money on all the special events, the parking, all that stuff. You're doing yourself a disservice by not investing in the business. So a guy like Bryce Harper, that's 10 years, 300 million. That's what he wants. Which will get 
I mean, that's that's going to drive ticket sales. Exactly. You're going to fill the stadium because you've got some of the best players. And I refuse with Giants fans right now to listen and go, well, he's only hit his career's only he only hits like 190 at AT&T Park or now Oracle Park. And, you know, and his attitude, this and whatever. You just watched your fucking team lose 187 games and you want you don't want a six time all star and one time MVP. They got a 26 year old six time all star. That's that's the biggest kicker is how much how much life he still has of baseball. Yeah, This isn't Albert Pujols who signed at 31, but he really probably was 35. Right. <laughs> this isn't that situation. He's going to be 36 when that contract is up. Right. You know, and you're willing to give him 30 million a year anyway. What's the what's the difference? This guy's 26 and plays a fairly low impact position in the outfield, right? He plays right field. As long as you don't let him run into the brick walls, he should be fine. <laughs> this isn't Buster Posey who at the end of his seven-year deal, you have to find a new position for him. That's not the same. It's not the same situation at all. And so I don't really you know, understand that. You know, Kevin Brink, our triglyceride correspondent, had a point the other day. He thinks he's heard rumors that the agents for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are like mortal enemies. And so they won't. They want the other one to sign first so that their client can get the bigger contract is one of these things. And I understand Scott Boris is an asshole. You know, he's part of the reason why we had the strike in 94 anyway. But, you know, I can understand the need to like drive the price up because it helps the agents, it helps the players, it helps all those things. But I think you have to sort of be aware of the landscape. And so, you know, I think this is, there's a lot of this, there's a lot of this weird sort of like, you know, mountain goat headbutting that's going on behind the scenes. Also, Major League Baseball has a problem because they have what, you know, the way the teams control drafted players. So they control them in the minors for, I can't remember how many years it is, but it's a long time. And if they come up and have real Major League service at any time, you then get them for four or five seasons under arbitration rules, which is after after so many years, you get you get to go to the negotiating table. You're on your rookie deal. And then you get to go to the negotiating table and say, okay, I think I'm worth $10 million a year. And the, the your organization goes, well, we think you're worth four. And then you either settle on a deal or you go to an actual arbiter. And then he hears the cases and then he decides, right? Right. Most major league baseball teams don't let it go all the way to arbitration. Cause it's kind of ugly. It's ugly and right. it's costly. Yeah. So they don't really let it go all the way to arbitration. So, uh, they usually settle off. So that there's four or five seasons of that, depending on when you came up and then you get your big money contract. So the reality is if you're smart, you're not going to bring a guy up who might be major league ready at 20 years old. You're going to bring him up at 21 or 22 years old because then you're going to get him through your prime. If you, you know, depending on how the rhythm of this is going, you're going to get him through his prime. Then most teams know his best years are probably behind him when he's ready for his big league contract at 28, right? Or 29 or 30, depending on when these guys come up. And so the, the players are talking about striking already. Jeff Samar just said it last week at FanFest. He said, we don't really want to have to strike, but we will because this can't happen. You can't have this caliber, this many dudes, you know, not in spring, like in training camp or spring training. It's crazy. And, you know, maybe we get arbitration backed up by two seasons or one season or whatever, but we got to do something. It can't stay like this. And since there is no, since there is no real salary cap, the luxury tax acts as one, but there is no real salary cap. There's no real excuse for the major league owners to not spend the money other than just like general business ownership. I think the, and the, the other side of that is there's no salary floor either. So teams like the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Rays, the A's, the, the Pirates, the Royals, you know, the Reds, there's probably 12 Seattle. Probably there's like 12 major league markets that, are just collecting money because they're considered small markets and mm-hmm. they're not turning around and spending it. And so I think a lot of this goes away if uh, 
you force a salary floor like they have in the NFL and they have in the NBA because now all of a sudden a Tampa Bay team who has no interest in signing even like a mid-level free agent because they'll just go with their drafted guys. Yes. Uh, they'll give that guy a lot of money just to get to the point where they can get above the floor. So these guys do get signed. It doesn't help with the Harper or Machado situation. Those guys are premier bats. And if, you know, some, you know, 250 hitter ends up getting like 15 or $20 million a year, right? That makes a guy like Harper, who's consistently hit 270 with 40 bombs and 120 RBIs, that makes him, his, the value of him go up. So that doesn't help the teams, or does it doesn't help the teams generally speaking, but it helps, you know, the interest level in the free agent situation because it can't stay like this. Sports Meets Beer podcast is brought to you by Advanced Auto Glass and Detail. Advanced Auto Glass and Detail is committed to providing you with the highest quality premium glass products and a professional installation by certified technicians. They are experienced in every aspect of glass replacement or repair, offering factory replacement or a premium aftermarket upgrade. They even deal with those annoying windshield rock chips that show up out of nowhere. They offer free local mobile service and offer a full warranty on all workmanship for as long as you own your vehicle. And across the street at Advanced Detail, they specialize in cars, trucks, vans, RVs, boats, show cars, trailers, and more. They are a full-service auto detailing shop, offering exterior wash, polish and wax, interior vacuum, shampoo, trim detail, and even smoke and odor removal. Water spot and scratch removal, paintless dent repair, it's all available at Advanced Auto Glass and Detail. Advanced Auto Glass. Look for the purple building at 2460 Santa Rosa Avenue. And right across the street is Advanced Auto Detail at 2549 Santa Rosa Avenue. Advanced Auto Glass, 707-526-5700. Advanced Auto Detail, 707-526-2200. Let Advanced Auto Glass in Detail take care of all of your automotive needs. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so we are what? We are 11 days removed from the Super Bowl right now? 11. Mm-hmm. We're already talking... Draft combine, free agents, trades, coaching changes, all that stuff. The talk about the NFL has not changed. There has been zero MLB talk. You cannot allow yourself in the day and age of rapid fire information and content, you cannot allow yourself to stagnate. Well, not only that, but you can't fall to your, essentially your number one competitor, which is football. And they still have the, the hot takes and the hot stories. Yeah. Give me a break, man. You guys yeah. are failing. And they're, you know... Quite honestly, baseball is probably the worst at any kind of social media. On top of that, as far as the effectiveness, we we we, we talked about it, that was back in like episode seventies. Yeah, we talked about how how effective NBA players are with with social media, how interactive they can be with NFL. Yeah, and now it's just one of those things where if you're not, you need to be full frontal in front of somebody, and if it's not going to be social media, it needs to be standardized media and sports media. And if you're not in front of either one of those, you are absolutely missing out on huge opportunities to gain to gain new fans. Yeah, the NBA is is the best about all the social media usage, right? Because you know they're playing they're only they're playing half the games, right? And so these guys for baseball, they're such creatures of habit, like actually getting out and tweeting or whatever. They they're more active on Twitter or get, or more active on Instagram in the off season, right? Right, which I guess in a way should help. Whereas these guys, the NFL and the NBA players are on it all the time. Right. And so I think you, you do bring up a point there. But again, the fact that you know free agency has been an absolute dud, you know, is is a real problem for Major League Baseball. So I was doing a little bit of research because of the Jess Samarja quote about, you know, we're, we don't want to strike, but we will. Yeah. Um, and some of the other, you know, the Verlanders, the Posies, the Samarjas, the, 
you know, the Longoria's, a lot of these guys have come out and said, like, this is ridiculous. We can't have, we can't have this. Um, we are in a very real situation where we could have all four major league or all four major sports have a work stoppage within two years of each other because hockey strikes just a strike. Every time the CBA is up crazy Canadian and every time they, they strike the players come back somehow with the exact same deal. Their, their player rep is, or the, the, the president of their players association and their, their union is a spineless clown. And Gary Bettman is also an idiot. So, they're going to they're going to strike no matter what and they're to do if either either side gives notice uh by the end of the 19 2019 season uh or the 2019 2020 season then they will have a lock oh, some sort of work spot stoppage on the 15th of September in 2020 uh the NFL will get locked out in February of 2020 that because right, that's something we've we've hit on before as well this is the last season that we're going to get for a while without some sort of uh, work stoppage or, you know, or strife or whatever. And there we've had some people, Steve Osborne and I had a really long conversation about this a few weeks ago. Steve Osborne, friend of the show, friend of the show of the barrel proof comedy podcast. Yeah. Comedy savant. Um, He and I had a long conversation about this. He said, there's no way that the NFL allows any kind of a work stoppage. I disagree. And this is the same ownership group that once told Gene Upshaw, listen, we're the ranchers. Y'all are the cattle and ranchers can always buy more cattle. Right. So, and that has not changed. That that scenario has not changed. Um, that you the have a perception oh, is that it's changed, but it hasn't. No, of course not. They, Colin Kaepernick does not have a job. That's all you need to know about what the player, what these guys right. think about their players. Uh, so the NFL will likely go in in February of 2020. The NHL will be in September. Would be in my theory here would be in September of 2020. Uh, the NBA would happen prior to the 2022 season. And so that's what would because ha- that's when their clever bargaining collective bargaining agreement is up. And in December of 2021, Major League Baseball's uh, CBA is up, but they could do what they did in 94 and strike before the agreement is up. So you have a situation where you could get all four, all four major Dude, that sports. Would be, that would be so bad for all four. It would just it would be the purge. Like people would just be out burning stuff, like just fighting each other. Cause they, exactly. what else are we going to talk about? <laughs> we're definitely not going to talk about politics and religion. Yeah. We're not going to raise our kids. Isn't that what we're talking about right now? Religious politics with this, all of our major favorite yeah. teams. I think, you know, in reality, I'm jokingly about the NHL. I don't know enough about the state of the CBA there to know if they're actually going to go on strike or not. I know that there was a lot of sort of hemming and hawing after the last agreement that uh, Gary Bettman signed a deal with the Players Association that was essentially the same same for the owners and the same for the players, and nobody really understood what was so different about it and that there was likely going to be another stoppage. And they had two stoppages in a decade the last time. So they're going to have three in a decade and a half. Right. Uh, the NBA, yeah, I don't on, pay, on pace to have another stoppage. Yeah. The NBA, I don't think is going to, the NBA is, I don't think is going to have a, 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 a work stoppage. They learned their lesson from the last time when they, they ne- tried to negotiate with this in, within the CBA, what they called uh salary cap smoothing. So they had a big media, uh, or, a. uh, a media deal, right? Where they made billions of dollars, right? All the broadcast networks paid their money and the NBA made like billions of dollars. And because of the revenue, the salary cap is based on the revenues of the league. Mm -hmm. So because of that, there was a spike that year in the revenues of the league. So the salary cap went up and the owners tried to get the players to prorate that spike out over five years so that, you know, the salary cap would grow. Right. Uh, And the players were like, no, you know, the guys that LeBron and Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade, who were like the main guys, 
for the players union all said no and then they got like disgusting deals and other like mid-level players got crazy deals that teams are still trying to get out from underneath and so i don't think i think everybody kind of learned their lesson there i don't think that kind of thing is going to happen again and there generally hasn't been you know there haven't been like holdouts and uh you know or even talks of holdouts that's the thing is that they've been pretty well i, I feel like uh Who's the commissioner of basketball? Uh, Adam, Adam uh, Silver. Silver, thank you. He's uh, awesome. I was going to call him Stein for some reason, but Adam Silver, uh, I think, does a really good job. Yeah. It, you know, at least talking to ownership, talking to players, and it feels like a better conversation than most commissioner and players. Like, good, you know, Goodell has a horrible reputation. Oh, God. Right? I mean, he's, he's a brilliant business guy. He is they are they are doing a very good job. They're in the in the green or in the black, as they say, right. making making lots of green. So he's doing his job, but he's not liked. That's for sure. The fans hate him. Players hate him. Uh, I think out of tell me out of those out of the four you mentioned, what's the likelihood and who's gonna who's gonna go first? Who's gonna? We like you said, you least likely think basketball yeah, and the, then the, hockey. So you're you're saying football first, baseball second. Yeah, the NFL would be done after the after this upcoming season. And then uh, after this upcoming season and then Major League Baseball, their collective bargaining agreement would be up in December of 2021. However, I don't see a scenario in which the players allow another offseason like the offseason we're having now go on. I just don't. And, you know, I, I know that people say baseball won't let it happen. The players won't let it happen. They, all, they remember all too well what happened in 94. Well, actually... They probably don't, to be honest with you, because that was 25 years ago. So a lot of the guys that are like the heart of the league now have were no just idea. being born. Right. You know what I mean? Like a guy they like... They hear about it from their parents. They don't hear about it from... Yeah, Bryce Harper was one. Let's use that as an example. Ugh, right? He was God, one year so old, old when that happened. Right? And so the owners kind of remember it, and they've just sort of said, okay, well, you know, we're going to... We were we let everybody we, we brought everybody back in because of all the home run stuff and now we're kind of paying for that and so we don't want to go there again, right? We don't <laughs> yeah. want to get into that type of situation, but I just don't see a scenario where the players let another off season go like this. And so if they do, if if they do let it go, then they're going to strike in the middle of next season. That's what I think. Until they work something out, so you're going to see the NFL do it first, and then you'll see Major League Baseball do it like in July, like in you know the middle of June or July, of because it won't be a lockout. It will be a full, like the NFL will be a lockout probably. Uh, they'll be a full on strike. They'll just walk off the job. Yeah. And so, you know, and then after that, I, I would go hockey probably is the next most likely. And then the NBA, I, I don't see it happening. In the NBA, the NBA is, it's not quite King, but it's close. NFL feels like King now. It does feel like it, but I think the, as far as each branch of sports, I feel like NBA is at all time popularity. Yeah, it's back on top for popularity and it's making the most money it's ever made. Yes. And it's got you finally have you have a decent amount of poster children. You know, even outside of the Warriors, right? You get rid of just say the Warriors don't exist in that. They still have really good players and it's 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 gotten rid of the God, it sounds so white to say this. It's gotten rid of how urban it was, how it spoke to people in the 90s. Right. Right, the dress code, all the dress code changes. Um, all the stuff that essentially Allen Iverson challenged for all those years, but at the same time, they just it it appeals to so many more, 
so many more uh, kids. And, and I think I think some of that has to do, I think you, bring, you raise a great point. I think some of that has to do with the point you made earlier about the social media. These guys are more accessible than they've ever been also. Right. So you kind of see who they are on a human level rather than just the guy that's at the podium and then the guy that's, you know, crossing somebody over or whatever, right? Right. So I think no, there's a lot exactly. of that. You get it because that's, I mean, I, I was, I can tell you right now, speaking of Alan Iverson, I don't, I couldn't tell you what his voice sounds like. We talk about practice. Right. Right. We're talking about practice, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even then, like, I think about it and I'm like, wow, but yet I, I know exactly LeBron James. I know how LeBron James speaks to his kids because I watched that video a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. how Steph Curry dances in his kitchen with his family. Yeah. I know all you talk about. Yeah. The, the, yeah. It's just you get to know those players so well or you feel like you're intimately on the same page as them. It's it's it's. Basketball has done an, an obscenely good job at, at getting higher at getting new recruits, getting new fans, right? Speaking directly to the kids, and all you know, it's the and the the youth are more adapted and into social media. So that's exactly what's drawing them in. And I would tell you this also: um, go into any you know metropolitan area in China and give them a list of NFL players, just pictures of NFL players. And give them a list, a picture of NBA players and ask them to name the guys. Right. They'll name every single NBA player. For sure. So when you talk about like a global brand, for when sure. you talk about a global brand, right? And here's the, here's the funny thing about it. The NFL keeps putting these games in London. They're just seeking out more white people. That's really all, right. that's really all they seem to be doing. No, but also NBA does a great job uh, with Chinese New Year. They do a great job or doing a better job with Black History Month. They're, they are dedicating... And all they're doing is creating a new jersey, an alternative jersey that sells more fucking dollars. Yeah. Because who's going to buy? Um, are you going to buy four different Steph Curry jerseys? No. But I will buy that Draymond Green one. I will buy. I mean, I, I was looking at jerseys the other day. I was like, oh, I think I should pick one up since I'm such a huge fan now. Uh, <laughs> but really, I want to do it because I want to wear one because I'm going to Milwaukee in uh, two weeks. And then one of the nights I'm there, there's literally a sports bar across the street from my hotel. Nice. And I'm like, oh, I'll be able to watch the Warriors game. And I was like, wait a second. I looked it up. Seven o'clock start, which means it's going to be 9 p.m. start there. I thought you were, I was, my first reaction was like, oh, they might be playing Milwaukee. They already played Milwaukee both, yeah. both times. Oh, so that would have been great. Yet. Yeah. Anyway, unfortunately, uh, they're sports fans. I think we're going to, we're going to have a lot of conversations about uh, collective bargaining and revenue sharing and luxury taxes and salary caps and salary floors and all of those things. I just think it's an inevitable, it's an inevitable part of what's coming. And, you know, I just, I think we should just be prepared for it. And I think, you know, the, I, the other thing is like, I, as a sports fan personally, I try to get as much understanding about the goings on of the front offices as I can, because it allows me to like, to be a real, like to be an, an intense, I shouldn't say real, that's not fair, but to be an intense <laughs> sports fan, you have to be aware of what your front office is doing. You're as much of a fan of the front office as you are of the players. And if you're an ace fan, you can only be the fan of the front office because that's the only guy that never changes. So, you know, sick burn. <laughs> it's not even, it's just the truth. It's, I know it's a painful truth. So I, you know, I, and it's funny to me is that a lot of ace fans, you know, and I, I was an American league guy when I was a baseball fan, you know, I was Yankees first. And I'd inevitably go to the A's games because that's, they'd play the Yankees. Uh, but the the fans that are these diehard fans and they and they're they're the opposite of what the San Francisco Giants are, right? Everyone's like, oh no, you know, we're just this blue collar team, no, you know, with low budget. But it's like your front office continually fucking breaks your heart. How can you stick with them? Yeah, 
Well, I mean, they're, I think they're I mean, going to be, be good again this year because they, they're turning around most of the same talent. So that's right. but that's encouraging. But then, but they'll they'll trade away some folks this year. I guarantee you. Yeah, uh, it's just weird. It's just like I mean, I literally question my fanhood of the Raiders because of the Khalil Mack trade. Right? Sure. I it it hit me. I was affected by it. I was like, what am I doing? Like this is crazy. These they're making horrible decisions. That was one guy. Granted, it's a pretty serious guy. Yeah. But they've traded away so many people over the years. It's crazy. I don't know how anyone could be a fan of the Oakland days. If you, if you are a fan of the Oakland days, write us and tell me why. Sportsmeetspirit at gmail.com. I, I, don't do that. Why? Don't do that. Because we're going to get the same answer that you always Because we don't have to rely on a beautiful ballpark to draw fans. We, because, you know, we Oh, really? Because that's what they're shopping now is a we, new beautiful we, ballpark. We win, we win without, a huge sell, you know, without a huge payroll. We're able to do all these things. You haven't won shit since 1989. Stop it. You don't right. win anything. That just happened to be against the Giants. So no big deal. Right. Uh, no, but they're, they're shopping for a brand new beautiful stadium. So I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I don't want to hear that either. So I mean, no, sportsmanspiritgmail.com. Tell me why you're an ace fan. Tell me why the front office. Oh, Giants fans have only been fans on since you. 2010. That's the other one that I get all the time. Stop it. Anyway, the point I was making before we ranted there is just that, you know, to really understand and, and to be like a sensible sports fan, if there is such a thing, you have to know what your front office is doing, what their vision is, what they're capable of doing, and know sort of the financial strains of all of those decisions. Otherwise, you just get the guys that are like, whatever, they should just just get rid of this guy. Just get rid of him. Like, what? No, you can't just say, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a good example. Uh, oh, like Mark Melanson yeah. last year for the Giants. Just get rid of him. You can't just get rid of him. It's a ton of money, man. It's a ton of money. Like, somebody might trade for him. Like, you right. just trade him. Or they should trade for this guy. Well, what are you going to give up? Like, right. what, like what, is the, what are the options here? Like, you, you have to know. Otherwise, you just... You're just, you're not really, it's like the you're same not in, guy. you're not engaged with the team itself. You're engaged <laughs> no, with the game only. That's the same guy in the stands who says, catch the ball. Oh, I could have caught that. Catch the ball. Ugh. No, that's, that's their job. They know what they're doing. They are professional athletes. Yeah. You go to dive there. It's 162 game season. Stop it. So anyway, I, I, it, I just, I, I, I hate that this is something that, <laughs> that we probably will be talking about. But unfortunately, I think it's the way that it's going to go. And if you are a sports fan, I would, you know, you don't have to be Danny LaRue from The Athletic and know every ins and out, every in and out of the collective bargaining agreement and how all the salary caps work. But you should know, you know, why a team is built a certain way and what they're trying to accomplish. Right. You should have your finger on the pulse of the organization. Yes. Right. That's that's that is why I'm such I mean, I can say that for the Warriors because I'm such a huge fan now. Yeah, you are. That I've had my finger on the pulse for at least four seasons. 18, 19 months. <laughs> four seasons. Um, <laughs> That's a hotel. Real a quick, though, we we broached on the subject there. Um, are you, what are your thoughts on, are the Raiders now back in Oakland? Are they going to, is that Tucson and, and Birmingham thing real? No, they are, gonna, they are renegotiating for a two-year deal. A two-year deal. As a contingency plan. Because, as we know from experience, the L.A. Coliseum, that the new one they're building, is already behind. Right. Right? So well, California and Nevada are very different in terms of... For sure. Permitting but, and everything else. Well, it's not even the permitting. It's, it was weather-related is why uh, Carson City uh, complex isn't done. They said it's rain. Rain-related. Right. Uh, I don't buy that personally, but they're they're a full calendar year or or season year behind so they are not going to play there in this next year they're going to play their they're going to have their debut season in 2020 
probably pushing the Raiders into 2021. So they need a, they need a spot for a two year home, and they're going to pay a huge rent. That's just it is what it is. But you know what? You're walking into a 750 million dollar stadium that you got for free. Yeah. So uh, you know, really, there's no or 900 million dollar stadium. There's nothing to complain about. Pay the fee, play in Oakland, give the people what they want. Make sure you change out all those soda machines, so there's no dead mice in them again. And uh, we'll go from there. I mean, that's it. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, that that one is the NFL at some point. Like Jerry Jones is going to go to to uh, Mark Davis and just go, "Hey, man, I got you that place in Vegas. Could you hurry the fuck up, please? Because we'd like to get our schedule set." I don't think it's a Mark Davis thing as much as the city of Oakland thing. Right, but the NFL is going to go put the pressure on the Raiders to just, yeah, just give in to get, something. Yeah, something, whatever it is, you got to do it. Yeah. Uh, because they, you know, again, right now, you know, right now the NBA, uh, NFL is setting its schedule. Teams are making the arrangements. They announced the schedules in April before the draft, right. but you know, the, all that stuff is they're trying to get all that stuff set up now. This is probably the latest they've gone without having that stuff in place. You're welcome. <laughs> it's uh, a mess. It is a mess. It's going to continue to be a mess for, for until September. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right, well. Episode 104, that's a wrap, buddy. I think that is a wrap. The most talking we've done about no real news in our careers. Look at that. We managed to take no no news topics. We stretched that over 45 minutes. That's a sign of a good podcast. Very nice. Big thanks to our sponsor, Advanced Little Glass in Detail. Uh, Big shout out to. uh, Who wants to shout out? Uh, Bryce Harper, come to the Giants. Well, I know he's a listener. He emailed me there. Oh, so, he did. Yeah, nice. Good guy supports us. Uh, that's it. Anyways, big thank you for listening. Check out other episodes. Uh, if you get a chance, listen to uh, 101 is our uh, interview with Vinny from Russian River Brewing Company. They are just in the tail end of their planning the younger release. So if you tried that beer, make sure you listen to the podcast. Also, episode 103 is our Super Bowl recap. You can hear how Brad just squeaks by on some prop bets from so other than that, <laughs> that's it. Thank you for listening. Bye.